welcome to yet another anime podcast. Just who the hell do I think I am? I'm Ninja Boy, and I'm yet another anime podcast host. So happy October, everyone. Autumn is here. The leaves are changing color here in the Northeast United States. And we have a brand new season of anime to watch. By my count, there are something like 30-ish shows coming this season, which compared to the su- the summer, where we had about 15 new series and 5 leftovers from spring, feel like a pretty significant increase. So I've got my work cut out for me for the next couple of weeks as I try to watch the first episode of as many series as possible so I can give my first impressions and recommendations for the next episode. Uh, in the meantime, though, it's time for us to take a look back and bid farewell to the summer 2020 anime season and see how things turned out. Uh, first off, we have a couple of shows that actually ended, I actually ended up not watching uh, to completion. Uh, first off, we have Great Pretender. Uh, it's being praised all over the anime internet for its style, and I am excited to eventually watch it. That said, it does suffer from being stuck in Netflix jail. Uh, the first 15 or so of the 23 episodes have been released worldwide on Netflix, but knowing there's more yet to come, I've decided that, like with Carol and Tuesday, or BNA, or eventually Beastars whenever I get to it, I'm going to wait till it's all out in its entire on Netflix to watch. I was hoping like BNA last season that it would get released uh, before I had to write up this episode, but alas, no dice. I do have a running list of shows stuck in Netflix and Amazon jail from past seasons I need to check in on, so you know I'll be adding them you know as it becomes applicable in future seasons as well. Uh, next up, we have Japan Sinks, which is uh, Masaki Yuasa's disaster series about an earthquake that hits Japan. Um, it has been somewhat controversial online. Some people really don't like it. Some people think it's you know good despite you know its its problems. Um, so mixed reviews overall. But I will say, in terms of Yuasa's filmography overall, it's one of his lower-rated works. Um, I personally haven't gotten around to watching it since, in light of everything going on in 2020, I don't think I'm in the mood for more disaster series just quite yet. So, um, yeah, we'll see. If I need something to depress me, maybe I'll, maybe I'll watch Japan Sinks. Now, there are two shows that uh, I haven't finished yet. Now, while those are the two shows I haven't finished yet, there are two series that I've actually are continuing into future seasons that I can't quite give a definitive rating to yet. First off, we have Digimon Adventure. Uh, this is the reboot of the original 1999 anime featuring Taichi and Agumon and all of their friends updated for a world where everyone has a computer in their pocket. The series is going to be a while, around for a while. It apparently has an order for 66 episodes lined up, uh, enough for over a year, um, delays from the pandemic notwithstanding. In comparison, the original series from the 90s ran for only 54 episodes. Uh, this is a relative rarity in the era of seasonal anime, but you know you don't see me complaining about it. Like the original, it definitely is aimed more towards kids. You won't see as many complexities or nuance or subtexts or subtleties of a sane and murder mystery series, perhaps. And the animation, being on a weekly schedule, definitely has its limitations. One complaint is that only Agumon and Gabumon have the high-quality stock sequences for their digivolutions completed, uh, Biomon and Sora in particular got shafted by this animation-wise, partly due, I think, to the pandemic uh, crunching out the animation time. However, while it is arguably, on the other hand, it is arguably better paced than its original. We're only 15 episodes in, and the six digits destined, uh, TK and Kare, haven't yet made it, met their partner Digimon. Um, they already have reached their ultimate form. Uh, the original took 36 episodes to get to this point, so I'm really dig- digging the way you know they're feeding us bits and pieces of their world building about the Holy Digimon and Leomon, you know, hinting at a larger story while you know getting the you know j- like the obligatory okay, let's get all the evolutions. I'm 
sure, hopefully, that all of the Digidests can get their Mega Evolutions this time around as well. Um, and nothing really feels like a filler episode, either. Um, if I had to give it a score right now, I'd say it's 3 Marching Fists out of 5. Gomamon is Bestmon, after all, but of course we're going to be following up on Digimon Adventure for the next year. Uh, the other continuing show is Fire Force Season 2. It's a two-core season, meaning that it will be continuing into this fall uh, season. Uh, the first season was a bit of a slow burn, pun intended, uh, with a bit of an odd editing style that, you know, clashed somewhat with its typical shonen sensibilities and plot, partly due to the fact that the first season was a director who had come from Shaft, which led to some odd editing choices. However, the new director, Tatsuma Mina Mikawa, has been excellent with some amazing action sequences. Um, his most recent directorial work was Wave Listen to Me from the spring anime season, which I really enjoyed. Um, the three arcs covered in this core, the Inca arc, the China Peninsula arc, and the Holy Ro Temple arc, all have some particularly standout animation moments while building up to the mystery of the origins of this fiery world. Uh, in particular, you know, the sequences of, uh, you know, the Yoruba Spears in the in the China Peninsula arc, as well as uh, the uh, Joker-Benimaru fight, uh, or, you know, them fighting in the Holy Temple arc were particularly interesting as well. As of right now, I'd say Fire Force Season 2 is about four Latoms out of five. Uh, so definitely continuing this on into the next season. Uh, speaking of shows continuing on, we actually saw the conclusion of three long-running series this season. First up, we have Food Wars The Fifth Plate, or Sokugeki no Soma Gonoshin, go no I think is the, is the translation. Anyway, fifth season of, of, of Food Wars. Now, as someone who had read the original manga, I knew we were headed for a disaster. Uh, the anime has long since passed its glory days, and the final war arc of the manga was just ridiculous in terms of and a lot of what made the series great initially had been lost. Um, I came into this season hoping that would, they would make an anime original ending, but sadly that wasn't really the case for the most part. So frankly, I actually ended up dropping the series um, after the first two or three episodes. Um, but, you know, in the third to last episode, you know, online, I heard that Soma's final battle with Asahi was actually somewhat of a bit of a return to form. And, you know, while it definitely hadn't returned to its full glory of the original days, um, it definitely was better than a lot of what you were seeing uh, earlier in the season. So I will count myself as having finished this since I did watch the last couple of episodes. Uh, with Asahi out of the way, the last two episodes were went down fairly painlessly. Uh, they did slightly deviate from the manga in that there was a time skip in the manga that got condensed down to a few months instead of years. However, all the other problems since the third season remained, uh, you know, this is, you know, on, on, uh, on top of the off-the-rails plot. Um, you know, there was less of a focus on the culinary creations and more on the drama around the characters, which, you know, wasn't really what was interesting. Uh, that, that was to some degree interesting, but not, you know, really the main focus of the show from the beginning. There's also a lot more reaction on the focus on the reaction shots, which, again, got less and less interesting and inventive as the series went on. Um, they also made it a lot more PowerPoint-like in their editing and composition, and the production had you know no very little resemblance of animation at all. Um, overall, for this season specifically, I would give Food Wars a one peanut butter squid out of five. Now, looking back at the series as a whole, 
I would give three out of five based off the uh, based off of the strength of the early seasons. If you want my recommendation, I still think Food Wars is worth checking out to some degree. Uh, watch everything from the very beginning up through the school festival arc, which ends in episode four of season three. Um, that's the peak of the series and gets a four out of five in my opinion. Uh, the rest of season three and season four get about a two out of five um, since a lot of the problems I mentioned in terms of the animation production started creeping in but it somewhat redeems itself by bringing the series full circle to the beginning of the very beginning of the series. So there, that kind of gets it to the three out of five. Um, if you ignore this final season, like just after season four, stop at the credits. Don't watch the post credit scene. Just ignore this final season, and um, you know that's a decent enough so three out of five. Kind of worth your time, especially if you enjoy food themed uh, series. Now, I will say I do kind of want to see some Food Wars OVAs. Um, particularly, I want to see one about Soma's mom, Tamako, and his dad, Joichiro, and how they ended up together. Um, I don't think those were fully covered in the show. They might have been in one of the episodes I skipped. Um, but those were honestly some of the best parts of the final epilogue chapters of the manga. Um, another OVA idea I would really like to see would be to follow up on all the members of the legend of the generation of prodigies and their senpais and see what they've been up to post-graduation, even if the production quality wasn't as great um, as the early seasons and even was on this on this uh you know uh this this powerpoint type editing um it still would be nice to get some closer to see where everyone ended up um that said i don't i'm not gonna hold my breath for it you know food wars is basically done selling its manga um you know it ended you know like i said over a year ago in the manga so there's not really anything for them to sell um any further, right? Especially since it ended up getting a lot lower uh, ratings over time. So it's not like they're trying to keep the brand alive. Um, I think they just wanted to finish this to have a complete story. Now, doing somewhat better is Gundam Build Divers Revise. Uh, this is one of the shows from the spring that got delayed. Um, and the Food Wars was another one, but you know this is another one. Uh, now, the entire Toys to Life Gundam timeline, uh, starting with the OVA, Gundam Beginnings, followed by the very excellent Gundam Build Fighters, and then the adequate Gundam Build Fighters try, that was that, those were my gateway to the Gundam franchise. The only other series I really watched in full, um, I don't even think I watched it in full, I watched the first season, was Gundam... Uh, uh, Iron-Blooded Orphans, right? I still need to go back and watch G Gundam and all the and all the classic series as well. Now, Gundam Build Divers, which was kind of the next entry after Build Fighters Try, um, started having gun gunplot battles take place in the virtual world as opposed to the actual models. And frankly speaking, the Build Diver series, while entertaining, definitely had a lot of plot points, and it felt like it lost a lot of the magic that the franchise had, especially with regard to suspension of disbelief regarding those uh, stretching plot holes. The sequel, however, Build Divers Re-Rise, somehow pulled off the miracle of taking those plot holes in a way and not only, you know, explaining them away to to make it, you know, uh, satisfactory, but explaining them in a way that added to the quality of this season and also retroactively makes the previous series that much better when you realize what would be to come. I mean, that's Gravitas back to, you know, whereas Build Fighters... Build Divers was kind of like very much more a kid, so it's not to say this isn't, but the gravitas of like, you know, the horrors of war, so to speak, in a typical Gundam series, uh, was brought back without losing kind of that appeal to childhood. 
I'm honestly really impressed at how they will retroactively make the subpar build diver series worth re-watching with the new context. Character development loads better, and the strategic elements of the battles really sewn through. Uh, in particular, Hiroto and his planet system deserve a call out here. Um, I really want to build, you know, every one of his, all of his core Gundams uh, and and his variations. There, that's going to cost me a lot of money in plastic. But um, in particular, the last three episodes or so were some of the hypest I've been all years, and they have callbacks not only to earlier episodes of this series, but calling back to the original Build Divers and even the Build Fighters franchises in a very Avengers endgame portals scene slash Smash Brothers everyone is here kind of way. I'm definitely looking again to build a lot of the suits from the series um, from the final desk and have them on my desk. Uh, overall, if you're Gundam 5, I'm pretty sure this is a 5 out of 5, but if not, you know, even then I think it's worth an overall 4 planet armors out of 5. Um, now, I also already had a whole episode earlier uh, in this in this podcast history about Sword Art Online, and there I had made the expectation that Sword Art Online Alicization War of the Underworld Season 2 would be a 4 out of 5, maybe 5 out of 5 series. Uh, if they nailed the landing, and they did. I won't repeat everything about SAO in general, I said here. Go check out that episode yourself. But the ending, as with Bill Divers, was another incredibly hype compilation of all of the past eight years of Sword Art Online building up to this point, uh, with callbacks to even works that didn't appear in the original light novels, but were anime original. Again, very Avengers Endgame, Smash Brothers Ultimate-like feeling. Um, I think this partly comes to the fact that in the initial web, vo- web novel, before it got adapted to a light novel, the author had intended for Elicization to be the final arc, so he wanted to wrap up and bring everyone back in. Um, I have heard complaints that this, that the director of the anime seems to have been as much of a fan or didn't have as much focus on the Asuna slash Kirito relationship and cut out multiple key shipping moments from the relationship from the night novels, which understandably, if you're invested in the series primarily because of that relationship, uh, you will definitely be annoyed with that. Uh, however, since for me, the appeal of SAO wasn't about that relationship especially, but more about the relationship between humanity and technology, I didn't mind so much, to be honest. Uh, I am curious if they will eventually adapt the events that happened during the time skip in the last couple of episodes that, you know, um, that without giving away too much of it uh, to anyone who hasn't read them yet, um, you know, uh, they're there is definitely like a bit of a time skip there that covered a couple volumes of the, or I think a volume of the light novel. I haven't read it myself, but they did announce that there was going to be an adaptation of Sword Art Online Progressive, a retelling of the original Ironclad arc, but with more granular detail of the lower levels that lost, got, got, got lost over in the first season. Um, so, you know, at even 100 episodes in, we'll not get done with SAO. Um, so, you know, plus we also have the author still working on the Unital Ring arc in the light novels. Um, so I'm betting down the line once Progressive is completed, we're going to get Unital Ring adapted as well. Uh, for now, I give SAO Elicization both arcs, um, you know, the original and, and this one, all 48 episodes, um, five release recollections uh, out of five, um, and the franchise as a whole, Sword Art Online, uh, as of right now, a four out of five. So definitely above average series. Okay, sequels and series that are continuing on, done. What about the one Corsos that started and ended this summer anime season, or at least ended here after being delayed from their spring start? So we're going to work up from lowest ranking source to the highest. Now, this one, this first series hasn't technically completed. I believe they're supposed to have 13 episodes and they've only released 10 so far. Uh, but Ninja Collection is the sort series that I'm following for the season. 
granted, it's the only one I am watching. Uh, the premise here is that in modern day Japan, ninjas are still around in the shadows, combating various supernatural elements that threaten the citizens of Tokyo. Uh, the episodes are only three to five minutes long and are done in the kamisabi style of its parent series, Yamisibai. Uh, kamisibai is the art of Japanese paper theaters, which story storytellers use paper dolls to tell the story. So, you know, it doesn't, so, you know, now the show is definitely not popular primarily because of this unique animation style or lack thereof. Um, I think the fact, however, that this was a very intentional style, right, they definitely wanted to emulate that, you know, that unique uh, Kamisibai style of story storytelling, I won't really hold that against this series. And to be frank, they're doing something interesting beyond, say, for example, what Sword Art, Art what Food Wars was doing because of lack of budget or lack of, you know, interest and, and passion for the show. I think that there was very def some very definite uh, intent with this style. So I can't really fault it for that. Um, I also think that, you know, it's a, it's a very desperate anthology storytelling style that it doesn't really explain the deeper lore of the series. It's mostly like each episode is basically a scary situation that faces some human in Tokyo and then the ninjas take care of it at the end. Um, and you don't really get an explanation of who the ninjas are and a longer running series. You don't get an idea of who, or is there an origin for all of these all of these monsters, right? It's very much like chapter of the week, just a scary story to, to give yourself a scare for three to five minutes. Um, and that, and I think the, the most anime fans are used to a more serialized storytelling nature where things continue on from episode to episode. And this lacking that isn't an appeal to most anime fans. Um, however, if you're willing to give this show a chance, though, and again, it's only three to five minutes, so you can certainly spill that much each week, right? And heck, you could even binge the whole series in less than two full-length anime episodes. Um, you will get an experience that is well done of atmospheric horror, um, of suggesting that something is on the periphery of your vision that's out to get you. In particular, I want to call out, you know, if even if the animation wasn't as good, I think the sound design of this series is really good at selling that creepy atmosphere. Plus, you know, they do, even though, you know, you know at the end of each episode the ninja is going to take care of the monster, the way they present what is the monster, they kind of misdirect you in some episodes, which I appreciate as well. Um, and there were some legit, legit surprises. So overall, I give Ninja Collection two paper puppets out of five. Um, if this is your jam, I definitely would recommend checking out the similarly animated and similarly spooky series, Kagewani, which is about cryptids, mythological creatures. Now, on the other side of the emotional spectrum from Creepy uh, is the series Uzaki-chan wa Asobitai, or Uzaki-chan wants to hang out. Now, if you're in our manga, you know, the, the manga subreddit, this is just one of many Kohai-senpai romantic comedy series where the younger female Kohai often teases their older male senpai, and both characters dance around their feelings to each other without ever actually, actually admitting it or making significant progress. Another one popular one, for example, is Don't Toy With Me, Nagatoro, uh, which has actually an anime adaptation being announced, so that should be coming uh, in the coming seasons. Um, another series I want to recommend is uh, Pseudo Harem. That's a really cute, fluffy series as well. Um, I don't think there's an anime adaptation for it yet, but I definitely recommend you read that and check it out. Uh, anyway, back to this one. So, Uzaki-chan basically fits this mold to a T. Our two protagonists get into hijinks, nothing too unrealistic. It's very realistic college-age kids' activities. Um, and that's it. That's the show. It's them interacting with each other, day-to-day -day life, and just hanging out. Honestly, I was on the fence about this one and continuing on past the third episode, but the introduction of the side characters, specifically manage, the manager and Ami-san, as well as Sakurai's friend Sakaki, uh, redeemed this, my opinion of this show. Um, you know, if you were simply watching the two characters alone, that would be kind of thin, and frankly, 
making a little bit fun of Sakurai and his loner tendencies, which a lot of people, I think, uh, have themselves uh, who, who may be watching anime. Um, not to, you know, make, pass any judgment, but anyway. Um, however, having additional characters comment on the uh, activities and hijinks of the two protagonists we're able to be sitting in and have someone sitting alongside us in those side characters, um, which basically adds depth. It's a knowing, winking smile to the audience um, that, you know, the the show is aware of the appeal of these characters and making it so you have someone to watch with as opposed to, you know, being completely voyeurist. I don't know if that makes sense, but um, yeah, I, that, that's what I'm going with that. Anyway, Uzaki's mom is also pretty great as a side character for her misunderstanding uh, reasons. Um, I also appreciate how the show is about college-age adults that skip past a lot of the needless drama that you see in a lot of shows about high school students. Um, for example, in one episode, Uzaki and Sakurai go drinking together for the first time, and you know how do they react to that? I think the biggest flaw of the show, if I had to ding, ding something, is that the pacing can get a little bit slow. Um, some of the gags in the show, I think, definitely work a lot better in paper form on the manga because um, you can go by really quickly reading it and get the joke over with quickly as opposed to dragging it out over t- some 20 odd minutes you know as with the case in, in comedy timing and, and pacing is everything I think this season which had a relative lack of anime um, if there were other shows that were kind of in a similar vein and enough of them or my time was more stretched if I would have made time for you know this show but given this season is relatively light uh, it was a pretty entertaining and an easy way a nice way to ease into the weekend and the show was popular enough you know to get approved for a second season as was recently announced so we'll see if it improves upon my the problems that I saw in it when we return. Um, in any case, I give this show two Sugoi Dekais out of five. Now, this next one, I think, is one of the bigger disappointments of the season, while simultaneously being one of the best executed. Now, that sounds like a contradiction and a paradox, but let me explain. God of High School is the second of Crunchyroll's adaptations of Webtoon Manhua properties after Tower of God from this past spring season. And we have uh, another one, I think two maybe? Um, we have at least one more, No Bless, coming up uh, in this coming fall season. And on its face, God of High School had a lot going on with it to be my kind of show. It's animated by Studio Mappa, who is, you know, next season handling the highly anticipated Weekly Sonen Jump series Jujutsu Kaisen and the final season of Attack on Titan. And it's directed by Song Hu Park, who is also heading up the aforementioned Jujutsu Kaisen, is pretty great with his storyboarding in terms of action. It's also one big Sonen you know, tournament arc that features various mythological figures and references. Um, if you read the manga Sumatsu no Valkyrie, that's a, you know, a kind of along those lines. And on some level, it did deliver on this, right? I will argue without reservation, I w- maybe even say this is my hill to die on, God of High School is legitimately the best looking show from summer 2020 that I watched. If this show delivered in one thing, it was the fight animation where each attack had weight behind it and the choreography was more than simple blurs but actual well storyboarded out chore- uh, choreography and battle where you could see you know the push and pull in the combat and you know it Sakuga, it, it definitely showed up on the Sakuga vlogs every every week um, in particular I want to highlight the Jin Mori Han Dewi fight in episode 5 when the intensity ramped up so much the character's art style sifted from traditional animation to ink brush animation that left me speechless. And then in episode 9, there was a beatdown from Mori against Nox, um, and it was also a, a fight in episode 10 between Jin Mori and Park Il-Pyo um, that was motion captured. Both of those episodes, those of those fights were just as impressive and as hype. So on pure visual alone, I give God of High School a 5 out of 5. Now, where it falls short and becomes a, a disappointment isn't its story. 
I'm not a webtoon reader, right? As of yet, I may I may after this go back and, and read it. But what I can say is that you know, from what I can gather, is they chose to adapt the first 100 episodes of the series over a mere 13 chap episodes, and uh, sorry, first 100 chapters over 13 episodes, and. From the sounds of it, it looks like they needed probably at least 20 episodes um, and probably could have gone up to the full 24 episodes, which, you know, that's a production issue that's on Crunchyroll for, you know, deciding that we're going to cover this much content in this many episodes. Um, I get that this is kind of like an experiment for Crunchyroll in trying to adapt original series. So maybe they want to commit to a full two episode or two core series. Maybe the fact that Sung Ho Park is already contracted to work on uh, Jujutsu Kaisen and that Studio Mappa was also committed to working on Attack on Titan this coming season means that they couldn't, uh, you know, get booked for a long enough series, a long enough to do two cores. So, that may be the reason why, um, you know. As such, though, yeah, and, and there was another point, right? The begin, the uh, ending in the fight with Jin Mori and um, and Han Dewi, you know, in episode five, that could have been a good ending point, but that definitely would have been paced way too slow. So, those there were only really two points apparently they could have ended without ending it on a cliffhanger. So, um, as such, you know, some plot points were changed, and a lot of explanations of who the characters were, how the powers worked, and the reality of the world kind of got lazed over or skipped. And, you know, there's a secondary struggle behind the straight the martial arts tournament that really was lost if you weren't paying attention. Or maybe it was even if you weren't, it didn't give enough explanations. Uh, a good fight anime is not just the quality of the animation of the combat alone. Uh, rather, you need to add the technical combat, i.e. understanding, you know, not only does it have to look good, it has to understand that there's stakes, right? That, you know, this character has this power set, this character has that power set, um, the rules of the world are well, well established, and the way that these characters' powers and combat styles bounce off each other, you as a reader can understand and have that anticipation. That's what, partly what makes a fight engaging. Uh, the other part is the emotional weight, right? Simply beyond beating up an opponent, what is the reason for being, why, why are they fighting? What is their motivation? Why do they have to win? Why do they have to not lose? And a fight becomes a reflection of the wills and motivation so that in the middle of a fight, as you see characters winning, start to win or start to lose, you start to connect not only to the fight in question, but also the larger struggle of these characters as they class and in their ideals. Um, you know, Tower of God, for example, did this really well with drip feeding us the rules of the world and letting us understand who the characters were before the final test, letting and then letting that combat, even if it wasn't as well animated as as, as God of High School was, have more impact on us as a viewer because of those emotional and technical stakes that we could understand. God of High School, in the meantime, because it rushed through the plot and character development, it left the amazing animation feeling somewhat empty without those hype, uh, emotional weight behind it. So. That's how it can be a well-executed disappointment, right? Uh, the story being a 1 out of 5, animation being a 5 out of 5, I'll go ahead and average this out to say God of High School is a 3 kicks out of 5. Uh, a triple kick, if you will. See what I did there? Huh? Huh? Okay, all right, moving on. So, okay, one so that's kind of the opposite of God of High School actually thinking about it is Demon King Academy Misfit. Uh, the premise is that 2,000 years ago, the Demon King Anos Voldigod died facing the hero of the humans uh, in a bid to try to secure peace between the different races. Now, in the present day, he is reincarnated into a non-pure breed demon and attends the Demon King Academy where he's treated as a misfit. Uh, Mostly because he, uh, there has been a multi-millennia conspiracy to obscure the history of what really happened, and so that people don't recognize him as the reincarnated demon king. But he has, still has the smug demeanor backed by the immense power, um, and that kind of flies in the face of what people are are 
are expecting based on the conspiracy. So, you know, that's why he's the misfit. Now, while other power fantasy anime can be somewhat cringy um, and kind of bland, you know, it's like a very bland protagonist who wields power just because they're the chosen one, right? The stuff that comes out of Anus' mouth, plus the fact that he has this much badassery, gives him the personality then that that makes it so entertaining to watch, right? Like those are some things he says that comes out of his mouth that you that 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 are just so ridiculous that it becomes amusing, right? So you know, he for example he says, "You think I'd stop just because the flow of time is frozen? Uh, you think I'd die because I was killed? You think I wouldn't be reincarnated if my soul was destroyed? You know, plus stuff like defeating the god of time, throwing a castle single-handedly, and killing someone with your heartbeat uh, repeatedly as you bring them back from the dead to kill them over again until they surrender. Not to mention getting a kiss uh, and winning over the Tsundere character in the first two episodes. Uh, definitely a badass. Now, anyway." The reason I call it the opposite of God of High School is that where God of High School excelled in the animation while being a subpar in the uh, in the storytelling and character and world building, Demon King Academy Misfit has top tier characters and stakes while having at best average animation. There are a few specific moments of badass you know Sakuga animation, but that's definitely not the bread and butter of this show. It's not bad production wise per se, but definitely not as luscious as others out there this season. And it's an interesting. It's an interesting experiment to see how a good story can make you ignore the average animation, while a lackluster story can overshadow even the best animation. Uh, the pacing of the story here is pretty well done. Uh, there are three major arcs, more or less four episodes long, over 13 episodes for the entire series. Each arc introduced new characters that you grew to love, such as the Necron sisters, the Swordman Lei, to the humans at the Hero Academy, and you know a special shout out to the Annals fan club. Uh, without too too spoiling too much of the sequences, uh, they just the sequences where they sing their motivational songs in support of Annals are just so match the over the top ridiculous tone that the show has, and it still works in universe. Um, but by getting us to love these characters before the end of their four episode arc. We get really invested in the arcs, and each arc's ending could have been the ending of its own manga, right? So the fact that we got three amazing, you know, series endings in one show is just amazing. Uh, also, you know, they don't fight, but Anos' parents are just as hilariously amazing. I love how much of a mama voice this one-month-old Demon King is while being a badass. Um, I think if there is another criticism, I think it might be that some of the wor- names and the words and the logic of the fantasy world of the magic that you stay in are somewhat hard to remember. They don't always explain it out as clearly as I would have liked. Maybe it was more explained in the in the original source material. So it took a little bit of time to you know really grasp. But by the end, I think I think you should be able to grasp it. Uh, anyway, all that aside, I think Demon King Academy gets three mushroom garden mushroom garden out of five. Could even be pushed up to four, depending on how much you weigh animation versus story and character and world building. Now, this next show is another one of the spring holdovers, uh, Hokugao Teiburinisi, or Diary of Her Days at the Breakwater. Uh, basically, city girl Hina moves to the countryside and, through various circumstances, ends up joining the fishing club, reuniting with childhood friend Natsumi and senpais Ono and Yuki. Uh, this is part of the gr- cute girls doing cute things genre. You may have heard me refer to this show as the cute girls doing fishing things show, uh, but it's also part of something known as the ESUK genre. ESUK shows are a slice of life that portray the you know, portray characters in peaceful lives in very calming environments. Um, a video game example equivalent of this would be Animal Crossing, right? There's not really any action. It's just living life on a relaxing island and just spending time and enjoying life that you're, as an audience, calm down. 
Um, other similar anime are Barakamon or Eurocamp or Laidback Camp. Um, I mean, you know, watching Hina get used to life in the country through fishing and enjoying the act of catching fish and eating her haul for the day is pretty relaxing. Plus, you know, there's even a somewhat educational component to it for any aspiring fishers out there. Um, I legit made sure that for the fi- finale, I had seafood for dinner that day so that I would have maximum immersion to send the show off. Now, this show definitely isn't anything spectacular in terms of production or so on. It's pretty simple on the slow side, but it's undeniably cute and relaxing. And sometimes in the middle of the week, that's pretty much all you need. So, uh, you know, I give Hokugao Teibu Nisi three tempura cooked whitings out of five, um, especially enjoyed a side of beer, though beware any alcoholic senseis. Uh, another spring holdover that got delayed was Fugo Casey KG Balance Unlimited or Millionaire Detective Balance Unlimited. This follows the story of rich boy Daisuke Kambe who joins the modern crimes division of the local police department alongside st- the stubborn Haru Kato who is an old-fashioned ideal of what it means to be a police in the name of justice. The first few episodes mostly focused around their difference in the approach of solving crime. Um, obviously, Kato kind of wants to do the old-fashioned way of, you know, doing the hard work, hitting the streets, finding you know clues, and, and holding up bad guys, whereas Kambe uses his personal wealth as license to compensate those affected by the havoc he raises, and using some futuristic gadgets to drones, and controlling traffic patterns, and at one point flying a boy band across the country to do a performance, which doesn't sit well with the old-fashioned Kato. Uh, he also you know, has a, uh, a Jarvis-like butler who definitely has some invasion of privacy concerns going on in there, kind of like Batman from the Dark Knight. So the Batman analogy kind of continues, you know, rich playboy, not necessarily playboy, but rich, you know, rich air uh, detective who solves crimes. Now, the latter half of the series, however, takes a little bit more of a serious tone. It delves into the backstory of Kambe and how his mother was killed when he was younger. It turns out that joining the police force was just a means to an end for him to find his mother's killer from all those years ago. I won't spoil how it ends, but there's definitely some twist that caught me off guard, but in hindsight, there was definitely enough clues telegraphed in earlier episodes that if you paid attention, you'd be able to figure out who it was. In short, it's a proper whodunit that, uh, that, that, you know, that I think is actually missing a lot nowadays. I do kind of miss some of the hijinks from the la- from this early first half in the latter half when Daisuke does something that's so ridiculous you just have to put uh, your phone down or just pause the show and just laugh. Uh, I-, I love it especially when it's accompanied by this brass riff and the chorus is back and it goes da 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 and it very leans into the classic James Bond spy themes. Uh, frankly, I wouldn't have been surprised. I shouldn't have been surprised this turned out to be as good as it did. The director Tomohiko Ito was behind Sword Art Online, Silver Spoon, and Erased. All amazing, great stories from a storytelling. Maybe not Sword Art Online as much, uh, but you know, definitely some parts of the first two seasons definitely had some great storytelling. So you know, I'm definitely going to be keeping out of him for whatever his next work is. Overall, uh, while between the actual decent mystery story combined with some random humorous hijinks, uh, this show gets four unlimited balances out of five. Now, the top two anime for the season are interesting in that they're both original series. Well, Millionaire Detective may or may not count, depending on if you want to take into the fact that it's inspired by a novel of the same name, but not necessarily directly adapting it. Um, anyway, in this, in any case, you know, PA Works brought their original racing series, Opera Runman, to the spring anime season before they need to take a pit stop due to COVID. Uh, and it ended up resuming airing this past season. And honestly, I wish the pandemic delay hadn't derailed more viewers from watching it. I think that the uh, I you know I the premise is that you know Japanese mechanical otaku Apare and his samurai companion Kosame end up by accident on a boat to America, landing in California. 
Uh, there, they eventually end up joining a cross-country race to try and win enough money for a ticket back to Japan, and they were joined along the way by a diverse cast of characters in a Steel Ball Run-esque meets Wacky Races-style uh, encounter. Now, first off, the character design is really great and distinct, possibly the best of the season, um, you know, uh, and definitely the most distinct. From Opera's bright red hair to the proper samurai of Kosame to the heir of BMW Al Lion and his saffron Sophia to Kung Fu driver Jiang Xiaolin, uh, who is definitely best girl of the series, to Native American boy Hototo, and not to mention the Crazy Thousand Three, uh, in, uh, you know, Crazy TJ and Dylan especially, they all stand out and are pretty distinct. Now, this isn't a straight-up racing sport, racing show or sports show or racing anime as, say, Initial D or Redline. For most of the first half of the series, you know, they're not actually racing yet. Um, it's about them taking the time to introduce us to the characters before kicking off the race proper. And the racing isn't too unconventional, honestly. It's, you know, a lot of racing, just driving across the desert, getting to a kind uh, it's not, there's not a lot of kind of like crazy strategy of trying to get around. You get some of that, like for example, Jing Zailin is definitely the best pure driver. The 1003 are definitely the best, um, you know, the best, the craziest drivers and willing to take the most risks. Opre is definitely like, you know, he's building his car from scratch. So every time they have to take a pit stop for eight hours, you know, he's constantly building it up. So even if they start out behind at the beginning of the race, by the end of the race, they should be able to catch up by improving their car over time. And then, you know, Al definitely has the best car, you know, with the best money behind it. But, uh, you know, he's definitely, he definitely has the problem of like not being as aggressive a driver. So, you know, who's going to end up winning is, is, you know, kind of, all over the place, you never really quite serve, but, and you want to root for all of them to win to some degree, but, you know, at the end of the day, like, the racing isn't that crazy, right? Um, you know, and even the cars themselves aren't that crazy, barring one car that has, like, a machine gun mounted to it. Um, without getting too much into spoilers, you know, really the bulk of the show is about the motley crew of racers ending up bonding with each other over the course of the race and they continually getting interrupted by outlaws and, and people kidnapping people and they have to put a stop to it, like vigilantes. And, you know, it, it ends up playing a lot more like a straight-up Western, honestly. Even this, even the promised, you know, cowboy versus samurai showdown. Um, I really enjoyed the characters having shades of gray when it came to morality. Um, and the bits of Sakuga action we got during some specific fight sequences, again, especially with Zing Zailin uh, and Kosame. Uh, on top of, you know, there's also an amazing soundtrack that's really eclectic styles, and even including some hip-hop uh, that really sets, matches with the anachronistic nature of the show. I think my favorite episode was definitely this, like, break episode before the final arc of the series kind of came in that's set in, like, a hot spring where, they, you know, they just have to kind of relax and just bounce off each other. It gave me very Avatar The Last Airbender's Tales of Ba Sing Se kind of feel. Um, I definitely hope there's a second season to this anime original, but even if there isn't, and I wouldn't expect there to be, I'll be content with what we got. Opera Round Man for me gets four turbo boosts out of five. And finally, uh, we have Decadence. Uh, I gushed about the show in my first Impressions episode and did the whole episode this season on the works of director Yuzu Tachikawa and his career including Death Note, not Death Note, Death Parade and Mob Psycho 100 and how a lot of the crew from those productions came onto this one to make this a great show. Um, the premise, in case you missed it, is that humans live on a giant roaming fortress in an apocalyptic version of Earth fighting these monsters called Gadol uh, alongside some warriors known as the Power. Episode 1 ends with the fortress attacking a giant gadol with a giant robot fist specific rim style. It's awesome. That hooked me to, for the season for sure. However, episode 2 raised the stakes and flipped the script by revealing that the power are actually avatars 
for a race of cyborgs who live in a spaceship run by some corporation and Decadence and the Gadol are just all part of what is functionally a massively multiplayer online game for them. And, you know, their avatars log in to kill the uh, the Gadol and then the humans, known as tankers, are basically NPC characters. Um, the robots are, you know, done in a non-typical anime style and somehow yet it works really perfectly, especially when they meet up with the more, you know, conventional anime style human characters. One of the cyborgs, Kaburagi, ends up working as a human after some crimes committed in the past and meets our protagonist, spunky one-armed, uh, one-handed Natsume, who, according to the system, is a bug, someone who doesn't fit within the system. Uh, he's curious about how she'll live her life in a system that supposedly won't accept her, and, you know, the story goes on from there. Honestly, this so has it all, right? It has amazing animation, aerial action as expected from Tachikawa and his team, uh, world building that acts as a great slow burn over the 12 episodes as we learn more about the circumstances of the characters and of the world, great characterization of Natsume, Kaburagi, and a whole supporting cast of both human and cyborg characters, more so on the cyborg side, if I'm being honest, um, and they really grow on you. Plus, there's even a nice life message and theme in there about finding your place in the world even if you don't think there is one um, and kind of defying what people expect of you. Plus, that ending, without spoiling too much, goes full-on figure, which, if you know what I mean and you know me, that's definitely a good thing in my book. I really respect them for not hiding the plot twist and giving to us straight in episode two, so we, that, that, I think, helped us so keep to a good pace where they're not constantly teasing this mystery which we all probably figured out even if there is no source material to be spoiled by uh so yeah i think decadence is without a doubt uh five sips of sarkozy alcohol out of five um and definitely my anime of the season now that's all the anime i did watch to complete in this season before i sign off i want to give some superlatives that i want to recognize for this season um best animation goes to god of high school uh best opening goes to opera ranman uh, best ending, I think, goes to the very cute uh, Diary of Our Days at the Breakwater. Best protagonist is Demon Academy Misfit. Uh, the most underrated series, I think, is Opera Runman. It probably would have been Decadence, but I think enough people queued in by the end that, uh, you know, I don't think it was underrated by any means. Uh, definitely didn't help it was going up against some other popular shows, but, you know, I didn't watch those. Um, the biggest surprise of the season was definitely, I think, Detective Millionaire Balance Unlimited just because of like the, the way it sifted genre, not really sifting, sifted genre without sifting genre, if that makes sense. But uh, I think it, ca it came in a lot more than I was expecting, even more so than, than Demon Academy Misfit. Um, best ending, I'll give it to a tie between the two long-running series that concluded that ended well, uh, Sword Art Online and Gundam Build Divers Revise for their Avengers Endgame moments. Um, and an anime of the season, as I noted, is Decadence. Um, as always, there are these aren't all the series that aired this season. Um, if I hadn't seen the original season of sequels, um, I didn't watch them this season. So that means We Zero, Origaru, Fruit Baskets, No Guns Life. Um, you know, I don't feel I can comment on them until I catch up. So hopefully I do at some point. Um, and then there were the other series that premiered that, you know, I ended up dropping after one or three episodes. Uh, the most notable absence, I think, from the above list uh, that, I, that I mentioned is the Rental Girlfriend series. Um, I dropped it episode three just because there's so much secondhand cringe. I didn't really want to have to deal with that while watching my shows. I watch anime to enjoy myself, not to feel cringy. Um, so, you know, even if Chizu is, is an amazing character, I think, Kazuya and Mami are just... No, I don't think that they were worth it. Um, so I do see it did get picked up for a second season, and I did go and read the manga. I'm actually caught up on the manga and I'm following it along, so I can see what's going to happen. I just think I enjoyed the manga format better because I can skip past the cringier moments um, without having to wait 20 minutes each week for it. 
Uh, the other drops this season were monster that I, so I dropped were Monster Girl Doctor, uh, HX Eros, Gibiate, Corey the Producer, Lapis Relights, and Peter, Peter Grill. Now, uh, so anyway, that's it for this episode. What did you think of my anime recap of Summer 2020? What anime was your anime of the season? Uh, which shows did I miss out on by not watching or that I'm totally off on in my evaluation? Um, you know, let me know on Twitter at YetAnnoAnimePod or via email at YetAnotherAnimePodcast at gmail.com. You can follow my MyAnimalist at ninjaboy 333 boys with an I. Um, a link to that as well as our iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play links will all be in the show notes. Um, I'm definitely going to be putting a lot of work into that since um, I've rated all these shows and updated my mouth from the summer season. I'm going to be updating it with the upcoming shows as I start watching them for the fall season. Um, you know, I'll uh, if you can, you know, please leave a review notes a review on uh, the various podcast store of your choice or on podchaser.com. It really helps the show out. Uh, intro and outro music is provided by Suichi Sakagami at tandes.com. Editing and production is provided by Ninja Boy Media. That's it for this episode. We air on the first and third Fridays of each month. Like I said at the top of the show, uh, next week is going to be the first impressions of the fall 2020 anime season. There are a couple shows that won't have started airing by then, but I think the bulk of the shows. Uh, I think we're completing by October 13th, so I think we should be good by then. Um, the fall 2020 anime season begins today, actually technically yesterday uh, when this comes out, but most of the a lot of the shows are starting on today, October 2nd, on Friday. So uh, I got some so that, some anime to watch. Let me know which ones you're looking forward to watching, um, which ones I, you're hoping that I'm going to be catching up on too. Um, until then, and until next episode, see you, Space Cowboy. Bang. <laughs>